You're listening to Boss Ladies and Babies. Are you ready to blab with me? Grab a front row seat as I adventure through motherhood, build my career, and not lose my shit. This podcast is a place for women to come together and relate through the highs and lows of business and motherhood, keep it real, and learn some new business tips and tricks while inspiring each other to do the dang thing. So close your eyes and take a deep breath, mama. You found us. It might not always be pretty, but you can count on one thing. We are in this hot mess together. Welcome back to Boss Ladies and Babies. We are celebrating our four-year anniversary. And to celebrate for the rest of 2022, we will be sharing some of our favorite and most listened to podcast episodes over the last four years. Taking the stroll down memory lane has been so incredible to see the amount of growth that this show has truly had, and I cannot wait to share some of our most popular episodes with all of you. So enjoy this stroll down memory lane. Enjoy the awkward moments of those beginning episodes. Enjoy the impactful stories from some of our favorite guests. And we will return in 2023 with new fresh episodes. And until then, happy birthday to us. It's the holiday season and I have got a gift for you that will keep giving all year long. And I've decided to extend my Black Friday offer because it's too good not to keep sharing. Boss Ladies and Babies Headquarters is a community uniquely created for working moms to connect, learn, and support each other through business and motherhood. This is a space where you can show up with your baby who refuses to nap strapped to your chest, where you can excuse yourself from a live call to deal with a blowout, or take a moment to vent about how hard or wonderful motherhood has been. Where you can BRB while you chase around your newly walking toddler that's getting into all the things during a training session without anyone batting an eye. Where you can show up with your weird mom bun and sick kids in the background and break through on some of your biggest business blocks. Where you can celebrate the highs and lows of business right alongside the highs and lows of motherhood. Where you will learn fundamental business tools, tips, and tricks and are backed by unwavering support from women who understand you. And we've got a seat at the table with your name on it. Through the end of the year, you can now join Boss Ladies and Babies Headquarters for only $27 a month. Head to the link in the show notes to learn more. Your bossy village is waiting. Us parents have really been through it these last few years and It has been tricky for many of us to kind of hold everything together, including our tempers. And so it makes sense as to why this was one of our most listened to episodes over the past four years. And this episode is how not to lose your shit. We are joined by author, speaker, and temper coach who has a master's in divinity and used to lose her temper every day, but it didn't feel right. So she got help and now she offers help to others. And let me tell you, this episode is so helpful. I am so excited to reshare this one. The guest talks about... (laughs) Her book, The Day I Threw Banana Bread and Almost Went to Jail, and it's full of true stories of how she used to lose lose her temper and how she stopped. And her book will make you laugh, it will make you cry, and it will give you practical tips for emotional intelligence at home, which I feel that this episode can deliver the same things. So if you are struggling from all the pressure and anxieties of parenthood and find yourself losing your shit a little more often than you'd like, you will definitely enjoy this episode. I'm super excited to reshare, so enjoy. Hello, Jeanette. Welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you here today. Thank you, Megan. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, this topic is so important. I feel like so many of us parents, mamas are struggling with what we're about to get into today. So this could not have come at a better time. I cannot wait to pick your brain and hear about everything that you have to offer. So before we get into it, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Let us know who you are, what you do, what makes you a boss lady. Let's hear all the things. Thank you. Yeah. uh, I'm the founder of Temper Coaching and I'm an author and speaker. 
So I wrote this book that the title pretty much says it all. The title is The Day I Threw Banana Bread and Almost Went to Jail. <laughs> True stories about how I used to lose my temper and how I learned to stop. <laughs> oh my gosh. The title is everything. When I read that, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to put this, I have to buy this right now. Like that is so, first of all, relatable, intriguing, hilarious. I mean, maybe not hilarious at the time, but like hilarious. <laughs> And just it, it's something that, you know, we're often afraid to talk about, like losing our temper like that. But the title of that book alone just makes it seem like safe and comfortable and something that, you know, I can buy without getting like a how to not lose it on your kids for dummies book, right, where everybody would see. Um, so the banana bread thing, it, I've been, I'm dying to ask you, is that really, did you really throw banana bread and almost go to jail? I really threw banana bread and I actually threw banana bread at my dad oh my at gosh. a 4th of July party. I lost it. I was so just furious, cra crazy with rage. And I did get in really big trouble for it, but oh I'm gosh. not going to tell you what kind of trouble you're going okay. to book. To okay. Find out. Okay. I like that. Giving us a little cliffhanger here. Okay. <laughs> well, with that being said, be right back and just go ahead and click buy on that book. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. I am so, so excited. So let's get into it. I don't know if you know this, but the tagline for boss ladies and babies podcast is adventuring through motherhood, growing our careers and not losing our shit. Our shit. Yes. And <laughs> in the form that you sent to me to be on the show as a guest, you said something like, this is basically about not losing your shit. And I was exactly. like, oh my gosh, like I have to talk to this woman. This is what we all need right now. <laughs> and yeah. I've definitely been known to lose my shit from time to time. And even more lately with the anxiety of COVID and the world, and my daughter is turning into a full-blown toddler. And I think that parents everywhere are just carrying so much right now that it's getting harder and harder to not lose it. I mean, it's always hard, but to just hold all of this together. And then oftentimes our children end up being on the wrong side of it when we do lose it. So I'm just so excited and curious to hear you tell us more about how we can get a handle on this and oh. just not lose our shit anymore. Yes. Yeah. You're so right. You know, I used to be a news producer. That was my first career. Amazing. And one of the ways that I look at what we're going through right now, it's not just a pandemic. It's that we are learning how to be connected to 7 billion people. Mm. And just 200 years ago, we were only really required to be connected to maybe 40 people, right. maybe, you know? Yeah. And our nervous systems are not equipped <laughs> to be exposed to um, all of this human drama, mm -hmm. you know, and tragedy and hardship because 200 years ago, there was also a lot of human tragedy and hardship and people who needed help. Yeah. And um, now we tend to know an, a lot more about it now. Um, and like I said, the, the tragedy going on in the lives of 7 billion people. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, <laughs> um, how can we handle this? Yeah. Right? How? Yeah. How? Who tell uh, us? <laughs> like no pressure, but please solve all of our problems. Oh all seven gosh. billion of us. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I I'm giving this speech next month to a group of leaders in Kerrville, Texas, and I was thinking about this, and um, I I was a chaplain in a hospital ward for a little while in Austin at a trauma one center. Yeah. Wow. And being a leader right now, which really anyone listening to this podcast right now, they're a boss, they're a mother. I consider you and your listeners leaders. Mm -hmm. They're all leaders in our local neighborhoods and communities, and maybe even globally, if you have an internet business. Yeah. So um, the world right now, it's kind of like we're all chaplains in 
one giant hospital ward that has 7 billion people in it. And guess what? We are patients too. And and I don't necessarily mean patients from COVID. Right. I mean, patients from stress. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's like, yeah. So it's like, how can we be chaplains for ourselves to each other? Where can we find the leaders who are, is like my chaplain, my healer, my spiritual guide that speaks Mm -hmm. to me Um, or chaplains as many of us need. Like I have multiple supporters that I lean on. Yeah. So let's get back to just ground zero. That's like a really big picture, but yeah. So what's the simple picture? First of all, I was raised by a dad who lost his temper. my mom didn't really do anything about it. That was just kind of the way that they disciplined us as Mm -hmm. children. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's what we thought as kids. That's how we were being disciplined. Right. So when my kids were born, I also lost my temper. And even as a wife, before my kids were born, I would lose my temper with my husband. Mm -hmm. And what I learned as I began this journey, after I graduated from seminary school, I started teaching workshops about stress and losing your temper and anger. And I realized that not everybody and not every family does that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So there was this like whole world of people who are self-regulated, who have mm-hmm. learned how to do it. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. We, we're going to get into like the self-regulation thing for sure, because similar to you, like I, people in my family lose their temper and that's just kind of like, Oh, that's just like in our genes. Like we just, we just have short tempers, like it's genetic. Right. And so, yeah, I've I've never really like sat back and thought, I mean, I obviously know that, but I've never sat back and thought about the fact that there are people out there who don't lose their tempers and like how interesting that must be for them. You know, how nice that must be to be able to have that self-regulation, which I'm excited to hear more about for sure. Yes, exactly. You know, I've even heard people, multiple people tell me it's my culture. Mm. I've Chinese people, black African Americans, uh, Italian, white Italian Americans, Mm -hmm. English people, um, Korean people. I'm working with a Korean family right now. They're like, oh, it's just our culture. Yeah. Y'all, it's global. <laughs> a global issue. A global yes. issue. Oh my yes. gosh. Yeah. One of my absolute biggest fears for my daughter is to grow up and just remember me like yelling too much, like remembering me just being like the stressed out, angry mom who's always yelling. And I really have done a lot of studying and just practicing on working towards having a habit of respectful parenting. And I say that like so many words leading up to that because respectful parenting is really hard in general. And so I, I want to have like a balance of making her feel really respected and also just kind of doing things that work for me. Right. And I want to make sure that I'm not being this like horrible screaming, yelling mom, but sometimes yelling just kind of feels like the last resort. And I know so many of us mamas feel this way. Now you like to teach that yelling is a habit that you can break. And I'm so curious on how, because the idea of it being a habit is so, so true. We get so used to it and it, you know, it works maybe one or two times. So then we keep doing it and it starts to spiral out of control. So how can we break this yelling habit? Exactly. Yeah. So there's a whole mindset shift between this is the way I discipline my children, or this is part of my culture too. Oh, there's this thing where I lose my temper and even my child loses their temper because mm-hmm. guess what? They kind of learned it from me. Mm-hmm. And that's a habit in our family. One of the ways to think about a habit is it's all, all encompassing. So, right. Mm-hmm. It's part of your family. And one of the little pieces to the habit is that you all get an adrenaline rush. Mm, yes. And when you lose your temper, not only do you get an adrenaline rush, but the people in your family get an adrenaline rush because it's pretty scary. Mm-hmm. And then, so you get this sort of high from it. And then there's this huge sigh of relief 
that everybody also gets when that adrenaline, after the adrenaline peaks. Mm -hmm. so you can see how there's this sort of addictive quality yeah. to losing your temper for the whole family. Mm -hmm. So what I learned as I've been coaching families over the years is that when you first stop losing your temper to like make this decision, I'm going to titrate off because I, I was losing my temper every day in the beginning. I had yeah. to go to like once a week, once a month. And then finally, like 2018 was the last time I really lost it. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. Congrats. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Um, yeah. Oh, so when you first stop, your kids will really push your buttons, like, and maybe even your husband, like never before. Mm. And here's why they're craving that adrenaline rush. That makes sense. <laughs> Isn't that wild? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, I think I might be alone in this, but sometimes you do like, you know, when you're having just like a bad day and everything's happening, and you're getting so angry. And then it's like, kind of feels good to be mad. Like, it's kind of fun to be like, Oh, my day sucks. And just like, you know, you really start to just, yeah, feel that I, I can definitely like, I'm like imagining that rush right now. I can definitely feel that. Oh yeah. One of my favorite things that I used to do was hate on my dad. Yeah. Like, just think about how terrible he was. And oh my gosh, I loved just reliving that and relishing. And I know it sounds crazy, No, but I, I, yeah, I was like addicted to the misery. And mm -hmm. by the way, I'm very familiar to being addicted to the misery as a news producer. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The traditional news media, that's what we feed on. It's consumeristic and mm -hmm. we get paid for clicks. Right. So the more you click on the misery, the more that, you, that producers are going to produce that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. That's awful, but so true. Yeah. So, okay. So you get this adrenaline rush, the people in your family get it. And you guys get so used to this. So how, like, how do you just stop? Like, it's like a, I mean, do you have to like wean yourself off of yelling? Like, <laughs> how do you stop it? Yeah. So it's this generational shift. You know, a lot of people in our generation right now, the mothers are talking about these generational shifts mm -hmm. that we're making where we're breaking the cycle on lots of different things. And this is the one of the things that we are breaking the cycle on. We're breaking the cycle on it's okay to hit children. Mm -hmm. It's not okay to hit children. Let's just get clear on that. There are global organizations and now there are whole countries. 62 regions have declared that the corporal punishment of children in any setting at home or at school is illegal. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. So it's not happened in the United States yet. In some states, it's not okay to hit kids in schools, in mm -hmm. public schools, but everywhere else, it's like, it's okay. And it's still happening. It's still happening down here in Texas. Kids are getting paddled, even high schoolers. Oh, wow. Yeah, in schools. And then, of course, at home. Mm -hmm. So, and the same thing with this yelling, like, oh, that it's just acceptable for us to lose it. And you know what's really interesting Talk, going back to talking about leaders, I've met so many leaders now who have learned how to be self-regulated and use these like emotional intelligence tools mm -hmm. at work. Mm. Yeah. And I was like that too. When I worked at a church, I was very self-regulated and able to handle very difficult situations at work in the church. Mm -hmm. And then I was going home and losing it with my husband. Yeah. So one of the things I teach leaders is like, you have the tools, you know, like school principals, I've worked with several school principals, they have the tools to work with children. It's yeah. just that they're not using those same tools at home. Mm -hmm. And once sometimes that's all they need, they're like, oh yeah, I get it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Now it can be harder because your children are like little mirrors and mm -hmm. they do drive you crazier. <laughs> Than yes. someone else is good. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. That makes, that makes so much sense because I've often wondered like my temper can be so much shorter with my husband or my daughter or like my mom than it can be with so many other people. And it's interesting to kind of make that shift. It's also really hard because you can feel yourself like when you're trying to 
ditch this like yelling habit, you can feel yourself like, okay, I'm really going to commit to this. And you'll start to be patient. And then it starts to wean a little bit more and a little bit more. How much of the yelling is really patience, would you say? Or is that just kind of like a scapegoat? Yeah, that's good. You know, I, uh, people ask me, so when you stop losing your temper, does that mean you stop being angry? Ooh, interesting. And I say, no, absolutely not. It means that in an emotionally intelligent way, you learn what it feels like to be angry and to have a healthy response to it. And because I used to be very hurtful mm-hmm. with my anger and now with my anger, I try to be very helpful mm-hmm. instead, helpful to myself or helpful to the people around me. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, to me, what your question was sort of asking was like, what are we transforming here? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think one of the things we're transforming is the way that we experience anger. And it can look like patience on the outside, right? but it's not necessarily, mm-hmm. you know, like when, when I'm working with a family who, um, God bless them, are still paddling their children, oh, no. I, am, I may look very patient on the outside. And I am very loving and kind because that's what I'm teaching them, right? Right. I'm teaching them loving kindness. Right. But on the inside, when I hear them that they got out the wooden spoon again, Megan, I am rageful. Yeah. That would (laughs) be really hard. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Um, but it's not illegal here. You Mm -hmm. know, it's not. So they, um, they can do that. The beautiful thing is, is when they make the breakthrough and they see, Mm -hmm. oh my goodness, this is a generational shift. The way I was treated as a child, maybe it wasn't the best. I want to do better for my child and for the future of my grandchildren. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is so important because we forget oftentimes when we're in it, that our children are learning this from us and that they're just going to take this on into their lives. And it's just, yeah, it's such a struggle because we know this, but we forget it in the moment. I've been really, really practicing being in the moment and remembering that like when I am feeling angry, because I went through like a couple months where my anxiety just completely took over. It was so bad. And I was never, ever like to the line where I would physically hurt anybody, but my words, not even mean things, but just like, so quick to lose it, like so quick to yell. And my anxiety like took over. And I fortunately have been able to get help with a therapist to get my anxiety a little bit under control, which is helping with like the anger part. But I've really been trying to, in angry situations, like remove myself from it and remember I'm teaching her what to do right now. And so I try so hard to talk through being mad and really, really showing her. And I'm sure we'll get into this when we talk about emotional intelligence, but showing her it's okay to be mad. It's just not okay to yell at somebody when you're mad. It's okay to feel that anger and really just trying to like narrate through when I'm upset instead of like screaming through and remembering that she is learning from me and I am teaching her and modeling for her. And that's been for me really, really helpful. Preach it. Yes. Yes. (laughs) That's exactly right. And especially Megan, God bless you with the toddler because the toddler (laughs) phase was the most difficult time for me. And that's when I lost it the most with my kids, especially Mm -hmm. my little girl, because usually if you have more than one child, there's a tendency to focus your rage more on one child than the other. A lot of times it's the child you identify as having problems Mm, when a lot of times maybe they don't have a problem. It's just for some reason, they are your little mirror. Yeah. And, or you've sort of anxiously focused your attention on them for some reason. Mm-hmm. And, and at that toddler phase, you know, what's happening. And this is what's heartbreaking for me about what I was doing as a mom during that phase is that their emotional brain is waking up. Mm. 
They're in this developmental phase where it's so helpful to learn how to name feelings and feel feelings in their body. And yes, to be taught over and over again by, by our modeling, mm -hmm. how to do that, how to identify and feel feelings in healthy ways. And let me tell you, I was not doing that at all for them. I was in this sort of punishment disciplinary model where mm -hmm. I thought that I was raising respectful children by yelling at them. Mm -hmm. I thought I was teaching respect by yelling, which now is like my greatest facepalm moment. Like, yeah, you hear what I just said. It's like, it's like that old silly song where you smack your kid and you say, stop hitting your sister. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, but that's like the generational thing. That is what so many of us were taught. And like, you know, oftentimes when we are yelled at or when we yell at our children, they listen and it's not because they're respecting you. It's because they're afraid. And that's like such a big piece of the respectful parenting that I try to do is like not have that fear driven discipline because I don't want my, it, I would rather my daughter like deliberately disobey me, look me in the eye and disobey me than be only listening to me because she's afraid. And that's, that's like really impactful when you think about that. Like, we don't want our children to be afraid of us. That's not respect. That's, that's not good. That's right. That's exactly right. And there's research on this now. Mm -hmm. Like there's a woman who wrote a book called Lost and Found about classroom, mm -hmm. uh, classroom management and the way children are taught. And it's been proven that fear-based discipline it does sometimes work in the short term. Mm -hmm. However, it's not healthy in the long term. And you can see that by through my own life, which I just recounted to you. Yeah. Because that's how I was raised. Yeah. Man. I mean, when you think of like the fear-based fear -based discipline, I'm thinking about like, don't run in the road or you're going to get hit by a car. Like for sure. Like that I use that because you should be afraid of being hit by a car. And if that means you're going to listen, but I mean, I'm curious to hear about just kind of like the transition that you noticed in your children when you were able to make that shift as well. You know, one of the biggest um, transitions that I noticed, well, first of all, I guess there's so many things I could talk about. I learned to say I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I changed my mind. Mm -hmm. Whereas when I was in that fear-based model, I always thought I was right. Yeah. Like I, my parents, they always thought they were right. It was just part of like this authority thing. Mm -hmm. So I learned to see authority very differently. Yeah. Um, my little girl who would lie to me all the time out of fear mm. because she would get in trouble, not only for lying, but for whatever she was lying about. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She would lie to me all the time about the stupidest little things. She went to telling me the truth. That's awesome. Wow. You know, cause she, she doesn't get in trouble I, mm -hmm. in our house. When, um, friends come over, I give this little speech and I say, look, this is a house where nobody gets in trouble. There's not, one of my friends calls it the foget, the fear of getting in trouble. Nice. So there's no, there's yeah. no foget here. What we do, if someone gets hurt or someone's being hurtful, come to me and we'll talk about it. We'll talk about our feelings. We'll figure out what's important. And then if we need to, we'll problem solve for next time. Like, what mm -hmm. are we going to do? Because we value kindness kindness is most important here. So if someone's hurt, something's wrong and we need mm -hmm. to figure it out. I really like that. I think that that is such a core value that we should be really teaching all of our children, no matter what you believe. Right. And I think something that you said a bit before that as well is, you know, when you're admitting that you're wrong and, you know, taking that ownership and apologizing that I feel like paired with the kindness piece like, it sounds like that's kind of like the secret behind it is to just 
wake up a little bit and have that moment with yourself. And then when our children see us saying, I was wrong, like, obviously we're not going to ever be perfect, but we are respecting them enough to show them I was wrong. I made a mistake. That's something that I find myself doing often with my daughter, which sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm doing that too much. But at the same time, she's seeing me learn how to be a mom just the way she's learning how to be a kid. And I sit her down and say, mommy should not have got that upset. Mommy was not very nice when she raised her voice at you. Mommy made a mistake. Mommy is sorry. All of these things are teaching her how to be a kind person and showing her that an authoritative figure doesn't have to be this like terrifying, scary thing. I love what you're saying about the not getting in trouble piece. I think that that is so huge because like our childhoods was like, clean your room or you're on phone restriction, clean your room or you can't go see your friends do this. You know, it was like, do this or this negative consequence and no fault to my parents. That was just a complete generational thing. That is the way that parents did things back then. So is the respectful kindness piece enough to teach our children to follow the rules in your opinion? Yes. With modeling, mm-hmm. we, we are the actual leaders and the authorities just in a different way, mm-hmm. right? Not, not in a fearful way, but in this modeling way. Um, you know, people who are still in the mindset of this fear-based discipline model, and they, they wouldn't necessarily, necessarily identify it as being fear-based. They right. would identify it as being respect-based. Right. They say things like, yeah, but you just let your kids get away with it, anything. And it's not good to be friends with your kids. Mm. Th- those are the sort of, or I've even had a person call me a pansy before. Oh no. <laughs> and what I say is in my particular program, it's based on emotional intelligence. And basically there's three steps. It's to learn that self-regulation piece, how to calm yourself down and not get rageful and upset and out of control where you're being hurtful. Mm-hmm. So to, to learn how to be calm, identify those feelings, and then identify the values. So like you, I love the fact that you mentioned core values and yes, kindness, kindness, love, respect, gentleness, peacefulness. Mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, the Bible lists these as like the fruits of the spirit. Mm -hmm. Self-control is also one of those. There's like seven of them, I think. Yeah. And um, when your household is centered in a value like kindness, it's more strict than a traditional authoritarian household. And here's why. Here's why it's more strict. Because Megan, even I, as an adult, am trying to live um, the best that I can according to the values. So if we value kindness as a family, When I step out of bounds, when I'm being unkind, I'm going to take a step back and say, oh my goodness, that wasn't in alignment with my values or my family's values. What happened here? And I'm sorry, let's do that differently in the future. So it's more strict for for the whole family. I love that. And easier to kind of keep each other in check too, because you're all on the same page and you all understand this like collective goal that you're working towards. Yes. Yeah. And you know, something else, what, what exists in a family also exists for the whole of humanity. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. So this kind of goes back to what I talked about at the beginning with how Mm -hmm. do we learn how to be self-regulated and connected to 7 billion people? Yeah. Well, you practice in your family. That's how we do it. Yeah. Because in our family, we want to have those core values we agree upon. For example, kindness, you know, it's a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. Love is a little more abstract. I think kindness is more easy to grasp. Mm-hmm. But then each individual family member also have individual values mm-hmm. that don't necessarily line up with everybody else. 
And so the challenge as a family is to live by your core values together and yes, have that vision where we're working together and know and honor each other's values. Mm -hmm. So how do we live together as a family being both the same and different in some ways? Yeah, I really like that. That's really special. And I think that is really some food for thought because we often don't think like that when we think about our families. I really like that. Can you talk to us a little bit more about self-regulation? I know that we've mentioned it a few times and it's something that you hear people talk about more and more, but in the thick of it, it's like, how do you self-regulate? So (laughs) what really is self-regulation and what is something that we could do to try to master it? Basically, self-regulation is being able to respond to your feelings in healthy ways. It's similar to emotional intelligence. In, in what we're talking about, it's specifically about extreme anger or sadness or stress where mm-hmm. we tend to become very upset and yell or throw things like when I threw the banana bread or hit someone or hit something <clears throat> or get rageful on the road or, you know, these Mm -hmm. sorts of things. Yeah. Um, So self-regulation is the ability to feel that feeling coming up in you and then make a different choice and perhaps even calm yourself down. Mm. So one of the first things that I ask people is when you feel that stress, and usually I'll ask them to like, remember a moment, I'll say, where do you feel it in your body? Mm -hmm. And this is global. Research has been done on this. Most people tend to feel our feelings in similar ways. So like a lump in the throat when you're sad, Mm -hmm. that's across humanity. With stress, it's often tight shoulders or a tight jaw, heat in the head, like the little volcano, right? Mm -hmm. The stress coming out of your head. Sometimes tight fists and a tightness in the chest. Sometimes it's combined with sadness, like a lump in the throat, or it's combined with worry, like an upset stomach. Mm -hmm. So the very first step to self-regulation is to simply be able to identify, oh, (laughs) my body is telling me there's some stress going on here. And like what you're doing when you're stepping out of the room Mm -hmm. to go calm yourself down this is what I coach people in the beginning to do. You notice it coming up, you know, hopefully before you get out the wooden spoon or before you yell, um, or if you catch yourself yelling, you're like, um, one moment (laughs) (laughs) back. Yes. And then what I, what I teach for step two, after you notice it is I actually teach people to yawn Mm. because yawning with intention is the most basic way I've found. There's other techniques like plunging your hands into ice water and stuff like that, but yawning you can do anywhere, Anywhere, anytime, right? And yawning is this biological thing that tells your nervous system, because what's happening is your nervous system is on overdrive. Mm -hmm. You're telling your nervous system to uh, not lose your shit. Right, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm going to have to try that. I, I really like that. Cause it's takes some time to talk yourself off the ledge, but if you could do something so quickly, like noticing it first, which is challenging enough, but then having that actionable thing that you can do right after, I think is really, really helpful. Yeah. Maybe also to, to share with your children too, if they're feeling so mad, I'm going to try that with my toddler and see how that goes. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I, I teach this technique that even FBI negotiators teach. This is being taught from what I can tell. It's funny because I arrived at this technique in my program and then I started seeing it everywhere. It wasn't me that started it. You Mm -hmm. know, it's just like in the ether, right? It's like, Humanity is identifying what helps us with stress left yeah. and right. Like you, you, I'm sure you've seen it at least with me everywhere, all of these self-regulation techniques. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to language, um, uh, oh, you were talking about your toddler. Yes. You can teach them to yawn and remember that your, um, 
your calm is the most important thing Mm. because our nervous systems, especially in our families tend to be synced up. So if your toddler's stressed, the best thing you can do is try to maintain your own calm because not only is stress contagious, but calm is contagious too. Interesting. Yeah. Well, you can see it with a yawn, right? Like when, uh, sometimes when my son, my son yawned earlier today, I looked at him and I was like, oh, yeah. Just the know. word. I'm fighting it so hard. <laughs> yeah, no, like let's, okay. Let's all not fight it for a moment. Right. Let's all just take a, a yawn together. <sighs> you know, it's really good is to like massage your scalp in the back of your neck. There's something called the vagus nerve back there. Yeah. Give a little wiggle. There's all these nerves you can, you can rub on your face, like wherever it feels good. You're like <sighs> touching those nerves. <laughs> it can help your toddler again just by modeling you are teaching him even without words and then you can put words to it so that's the next step you're feeling stressed you're feeling angry because you don't want to leave the park and then the next step is what does he care about what are his values you love the park. You really love to play here, you know, and then if there is a problem to solve, you know what, let's come back tomorrow, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. whatever, solve the problem or like, okay, so we know you love the park and we will come back. And now how are we going to get to the van? Let's skip or jump. Mm -hmm. Sometimes giving a toddler just like something else to focus on Um, is helpful. But I like to, again, out of this respect idea, I like to know, let them know, like, I see them, I hear Mm -hmm. them, I can tell, I can help them cultivate their own language for their feelings and values too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that part. I think even at like the worst in the thick of it, I think that that part is so impactful like even if I'm mad and I'm like I can tell you're mad right now you know I think that that part is so 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 important another thing that I started doing with my daughter and oh my gosh it's like the cutest and also most heartbreaking thing is when she is not able to regulate herself and it's easy for us to lose it then but I love what you're saying about calm being contagious and so when she's not able to regulate herself and you're sitting there doing whatever you're trying to do, whether you're like also getting mad or trying to stay calm, I'll often tell her, I love you anyway. Like you're being really mean to me right now, but I love you anyway, even though you're being this way. And there has been times now where I'm acting like such a jerk, such a brat. I'm having my own temper tantrum and she'll say, mommy, I love you anyway. And it's just the cutest thing, but also like a little bit heartbreaking because, you know, she's seeing me like this, but it's, I don't know, just like the little things like that have helped us and just finding ways that you can regulate within your family as well. Like whatever works for you. I love all the tips that you gave and just like playing around with what works. Cause even in that moment, like when both of us are super elevated we can still say like even if it's like screaming I love you anyway (laughs) like you know we know that we're there for each other yes excuse me that's right that's so lovely yeah you can um you can be angry and my family I feel like we're just learning how to do this because I feel like my temper was pretty severe Mm -hmm. and it was a lot for my me and my family to overcome Um, and now we can sort of have like a little spat Mm -hmm. and get angry with each other, but not be hurtful. Yeah. You know, where we're like showing our hearts and showing our hurt, but not, um, shaming each other and blaming each other and feeling guilty and all of those Mm -hmm. messy things that stick to you and keep you up at night, you know? Yeah. Um, we're learning a different way 
to express those feelings. And it sounds like you're doing that with your daughter and I'm, so, I'm just so happy for you, you know? Yeah, thank <laughs> you. Yeah, I, had, yeah. I, I had like a wake up call because it, it was like last year, deep into COVID and I was trying to get her stroller out to go on a run. That's like the only thing that was keeping us sane. And I just remember like something, she was in the house. Thank goodness she did not see me like this. Something so annoying happened. It was so small. I can't even remember what it was, but I was like out in the garage, like trying to get the stroller open and just like flailing it around. And I broke it. And I was like, how did that even happen? Like, that was like a really big wake up call for me. And then I started like replaying moments, like how quickly I was to snap at people. Like, like I said, like my mom and my husband and my daughter, and just like, I had to have this moment with myself. Like you are awful. Like you are so mean, like the, like overwhelming descriptor for you right now is mean. And I just like, I had to do something about it. And so I've been you know, trying all these different things to see that what works because for me and, and anybody else who feels this way, I have so much empathy for you. The anxiety piece just can really cause so much rage and I'm still not perfect. And I still yell at my family more than I want to more than I like to admit, but I'm working on it. And it's been like, a journey and, you know, we're growing together and we're learning how to help each other and how to not trigger each other. Like, especially with my husband, you know, really it's whoever you're closest to, it's like the easiest to trigger each other, I think. So that's right. Well, and you know, such an important message, Megan, in this conversation. And I feel like this is one of the main pieces of my mission is what you talked about at the beginning, Mm -hmm. that it is, oh, to talk about mm-hmm. Mr. Fred Rogers of Mr. Rogers neighborhood. He said, if it's mentionable, it's manageable. Ooh. And if you are losing it at home, like I was behind closed doors mm-hmm. and not, it's like something in me knew that it wasn't right, but I, because I wasn't talking about it really, mm-hmm. really, or even admitting it hardly to myself. Yeah. But if we can talk about it, we can let some steam off and figure out different ways to let steam off and figure out different ways to treat ourselves and treat each other and treat our children. Um, and let me tell you, from what we can tell, over half of families have hit their children during the pandemic. Mm. So there is a very large po- part of the population that is still in this mix. Some people are perfectly happy doing that, but there is this sort of awakening happening where you're like, Hmm, Ooh, that, that doesn't feel so right. I'm not, you know, that kept me up. I felt guilty about that. I don't want that to happen again tomorrow. Yeah. Just like what you had with that awakening with the stroller, this is happening to moms and to parents. Um, I see it happening every single day. Yeah. And I think people are so embarrassed and afraid and ashamed to seek help, you know, and it's just, it's, you're not alone if you're feeling these ways and it's important to seek help. I mean, that's, that is the main thing is to find help because there are people like you who can help with this. You're not, you're not trapped, you know, it can feel so isolating just being trapped in your anger or your fears. And it it doesn't have to be that way. That's right. You know, when I was talking about what I call the social bubbles, like there are whole portions of the population where they just think this is how we raise our kids. Like this is how everybody raises their kids, Mm -hmm. but there's a whole population portion of the population that doesn't. And if you want to, you can break through the bubble, but you have to find some mentors or some helpers who are in the other bubble, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In this, in the self-regulated bubble, because at first I was only connected to families who were losing their shit. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that that was, that was not even in my realm of possibility. 
And I even coached a mom who told me, Megan, she went to a counselor and she said, I want to learn how to stop yelling at my kids. And that counselor leaned forward and said, everyone yells at their kids. Mm. So even some of the counselors and helpers have not yet broken out of that bubble or even realized that it's something that they can break out of. Yeah. Wow. Oh man. Well, thank goodness for you and anybody who does what you do, because it, I mean, it's really, really needed. And we've talked a lot today about emotional intelligence and, you know, self-regulation. Can we leave people with maybe two or three things that they can start doing today to become more emotionally intelligent and to not lose their shit? Yes. First, uh, let's use this as a little review. If you've decided that losing your shit doesn't make you happy anymore, or maybe it's not making your family happy, (laughs) it's a habit and you can break that habit. You want to learn about emotional intelligence, which is how to identify and feel your feelings, even anger, even stress in helpful, healthy ways. That's the self-regulation piece. And finally, find those mentors because this is not something you can do on your own. You need to expose yourself to authors, to to coaches, to counselors, to people who make videos about this. And there's more and more of us every day Mm -hmm. who are raising our voices about this. There are even global organizations raising our voices about this. to put yourself in front of those people one way or another, you know, watch them, talk to them, read their words, because you will learn. It's almost like you'll be Mm. (laughs) reparented. You know, your nervous system will learn something from their nervous system just by, by being in their presence. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. And if you are uncomfortable, maybe like actually speaking to somebody up front, just, you know, what you're saying about reading books or so much is happening on social media with these videos that you can consume so much of this content and just start to feel more comfortable with the idea. And then, you know, when you're ready, reach out for more help. Yes, exactly. I mean, you just, when I, I was not even aware of the word emotional intelligence and now you Google that and you will find millions of videos and pages and people talking and teaching about how to do this. It's a really great human skill mm-hmm. to have. And there are even public schools now that are teaching this. It's called social emotional learning is another word cool. for it. Yeah. So there's a conference every year where all the educators get together who are teaching how to do it in the classroom. This is, this is happening. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. I hope that that is rolled out through all schools. That's so, so needed. I'm just thinking about like my husband and just like, not to make it gender gendery, but so many men now that were boys before, like grew up with this idea of like, oh, you can't be emotional. You have to be tough. And like, you know, that's something that he has struggled with coming into an adult and through working together and, you know, really trying to figure out like how to be in a relationship together. He has done the work to learn a lot about that, but so many kids just are taught that you can't be emotional, that it's bad. And it's just, oh, that's so important. I love that that's happening in schools. Yeah, it's, it's good. There are there are so many good things happening in the world right now. I know when you look at the news, it may look like doomsday. Yes. But trust me when I tell you as a former news producer, what you're seeing on the news is only part of the story. There's a great book that I read called Factfulness, and it was written by a statistician. And when you look at the statistics that indicate the thriving of humanity, we are getting better every day. I was coaching a Christian family that said, well, Jeanette, isn't this the end times? (laughs) 
And I said, oh goodness, well, I can tell you what I learned in seminary about that. But um, I said, I don't see the end times in front of me. When I look at your family and I'm looking at this couple across the table, I said, when I'm looking at your family, I see love growing. Mm. And that to me, that's not the end times. Yeah. If, and if anything, that is, um, that's humanity getting better. <laughs> yeah. I love that you said that because it just does not feel, it doesn't feel that in our day to day. And so if you're listening right now, I, I challenge you myself, you to look for little things every day that are just evidence of humanity getting better and try to notice these little things because I needed to hear that. Like it does feel like doomsday completely everywhere I look, but that's not the case. That's, you know, another habit. That's right. If you choose to consume news, if you choose, here's a tip, look for the headlines that are either good news or are solutions based. Hmm. There's a whole movement now in the news called solutions-based journalism, and they are fully aware of how the news media tends to be part of this fear, addiction, stress cycle, and they're trying to break that. But the only way that the news producers will stop producing fear-based news is if we as consumers start clicking on the solutions-based and positive news stories. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, we're all part of that vicious cycle, right? We can't blame anyone. It just yeah. sort of arose that way, right? But we can, and it is changing little by little. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm going to start looking for those for sure. Cause I, yeah, I need it. I need it. We all need it. <laughs> okay. Well, this has been just an amazing conversation. Like I knew it would be. Thank you for your vulnerability. Thank you so much for taking your time and sharing your knowledge with us. I am not going to let you go without having you share a hot mess moment. And so <laughs> this is something that everybody who comes on the show does, and it's your chance to share an embarrassing confession about a time that you've been a total hot mess. And I feel like we've both shared some hot mess moments throughout this whole podcast. But if you have one in mind, you'd like to share, now's your chance. I do. Thank you. Well, I think this story is perfect because it's when my little girl was a toddler. And we were playing bubbles in the backyard one day. And of course, toddlers and children, they are our mirrors. And she saw me emptying bubbles from one container to the next. And I was so stressed out that day. I didn't realize that that's what she was doing when she took a giant thing, container of bubbles and dumped it out on the ground. And I lost it, Megan. I mean, I lost it one of the worst times I'd ever lost it, which is saying a lot for me. Yeah. <laughs> I spanked her. I put her in the corner. I put her in timeout. I, she kept on saying bubbles because she didn't have that many words yet. Yeah. And I screamed at her. I said, there are no more bubbles. You dumped them all out. And I held the container over her head to show her it was empty. And some of the bubbles dripped out oh, on no. her head, which she didn't like. And Megan, I was having sort of an out-of-body experience at this point. Like I could see how mean I was being, but I was out of control. I was, people say you see red, like I could not stop myself. And I took her to the kitchen. I stuck her in the sink and I sprayed her head off with, to get the bubbles off of her head. Then I put her down on the floor and that's when I walked away. Like mm -hmm. I that when I finally walked away to get my pool. Now the story doesn't end there because the next night or, or that night I went to bed and um, I knew that that was terrible and I didn't want that to happen again. So I said, you know what? I need a redo moment. I'm going to try bubbles again tomorrow. Yeah. And I'm sure that Melody's going to dump them out again. And I'm going to say, I love you, sweetheart. <laughs> yeah. 
that was like the best I could do at that yeah. moment. Time. So guess what? It did. It replayed itself. She dumped the bubbles out. I said, sweetheart, I know I got really angry yesterday when you dumped the bubbles out. And I'm really sorry about that. And today you did it again. And I'm not going to do that. I love you, sweetheart. Mm. And Megan, that night when I was tucking her off to bed, she said, dump bubbles out. And I said, sweetheart, I know I got really angry yesterday. And I hope you remember that today I didn't get angry. You, you dumped the bubbles out and I said, I love you, sweetheart. And Megan, the next night when she was going to bed, she said, dump bubbles out. And I said it again. I said, the first time you dump bubbles out, I lost my temper. I yelled at you. I spanked you. I'm sorry about that. I'm trying to stop. And then remember, you did it again. And I told you that I loved you. For 21 nights in a row, she said, dump bubbles out. And I think her little toddler brain was just trying to wrap her mind around mommy and what is mommy doing? And she knew that something wasn't right. Yeah. Do you guys, have you guys talked about it now that she's older? Is it something that she remembers at all or? You know, she doesn't remember that moment in particular, but I did write about it in the book. Yeah. Um, but it is a regular occurrence in this family that we talk about this whole generational shift. Like yeah. They know about granddaddy and how he used to lose it and even great granddaddy and how he used to lose it and probably great, great granddaddy, right? All of, you know, probably for generations and how, when they were little, I used to lose my shit with my kids, but how I worked really hard on that. And now I don't. And even as 10-year-olds, I have 10-year-old twins, mm -hmm. they sometimes lose it. But guess what? They're, they're only operating on like half a brain, yeah. right? They're, they're not fully developed yet. Yeah. And that's okay because now I know how to model and teach for them how to, how to do the thing, how to be self-regulated, how to be emotionally intelligent. Yeah. It's amazing that, you know, just because it starts one way doesn't mean it has to stay that way. And, you know, 21 days of saying dump bubbles out is a lot. And that probably broke your heart every single night, but that happened and everything is okay. Yes, that's right. But, you know, when you start breaking this habit, one of the toughest things to walk through is the sadness about it all, Megan. Mm -hmm. You know, some people that I've coached, they, they've never seen their parents as being fallible. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden they're like, Oh goodness. Maybe when my dad hit me with a belt, that wasn't the best thing. And so they're sad about that. And then they look back on their own parenting mm -hmm. and there is sadness to walk through, not only for yourself, but as a family. So we don't talk about it so much anymore because mm -hmm. now we're, we're sort of through a lot of that. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I'm, especially if my kids decide to become parents, I'm sure all of that will come up and God willing, I have actually broken the cycle mm -hmm. and when they become parents, they will do it differently. Yeah, I'm sure they will. I mean, and it sounds like they have great support, so. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That, thank you for sharing that story. That is definitely something that I'm sure hits a lot of people's heartstrings, you know, and people can relate to in one way or another. So I really appreciate it. And we are going to wrap this up. I could talk to you all night about this topic. There's so many different pieces that play into this, but I think we covered so much. And I'm just going to say again, if you are struggling and you feel worried, afraid, or embarrassed, you're not alone and there is help out there. And so with that being said, why don't you go ahead and let people know where they can find you and how we can support your business? 
Great, thank you. The easiest way to get a hold of me, to watch videos of me, to read my blog, you know, to start exposing yourself to someone who's broken broken the cycle is through my website. And that's tempercoaching.com. It'll take you, redirect you to JeanetteHargreaves.com because that's a little harder to spell. Um, but even if you're feeling a little scared just to even go to my website where you can write me an email if you want, um, if you feel the courage to get in touch with me, if you write me an email, by the way, and mention um, that you heard me on this show, uh, we can hop on the phone for 15 minutes and talk about anything you like. So I'll put that offer out for your listeners. Perfect. Thank you. But if you're feeling scared even to go to my website, you can find me anonymously at amazon.com. And my book, The Day I Threw Banana Bread and Almost Went to Jail is on there. Awesome. All right. That is perfect. Please go check out Jeanette, go buy her book, check it out. Don't be afraid, reach out. And that is all that we have for you today. So thank you again so much. And until next time, mamas, you've got this stay bossy. Thank you for listening to boss ladies and babies. If you like this episode, be sure to rate review and leave us some feedback. Make sure you follow us on social at boss ladies and babies. Join the conversation in our private Facebook group and check out everything we have to offer like community coaching, merch, and more at boss ladies and And until next time, stay bossy.